Lord, we, um, we thank you for Phil, and uh, we want to thank you that he is your child. And uh, as such, he, he hears from you. And uh, Lord, I want to pray that you would just speak through him very clearly this morning. That we'd understand your heart because we've been listening to a child of yours. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the kingdom of God is like. So what is it like? What does it look like? And Jesus told a number of stories called parables that just helped kind of understand what that was like. But some of these were not clear. He kind of, the parables didn't give everything away. On one hand, they revealed truth, and on the other hand, they concealed truth. And they hid it away. And I'm just going to read you something as an example of what you can do. You had to read between the lines a little bit. Memo to the, direct, to the director, R.E. Stephen. Stephen, the newest member of the team, can always be found hard at work in his cubicle. Stephen works independently without wasting company time walking, uh, talking to colleagues. He never thinks twice about assisting fellow employees, and he always finishes assignments on time. Often, Stephen takes extended measures to complete his work, sometimes even skipping lunch breaks. He is an unusual individual who has absolutely no vanity in spite of his strong qualifications and profound knowledge in his field. I firmly believe that Stephen can be classed among our very best employees the type which cannot be dispensed with. Consequently, I duly recommend that Stephen be promoted to senior management and a proposal will be sent away as soon as possible. Second memo to the director, R.E. Stephen. Stephen was looking over my shoulder as I wrote my previous memo, so please read only every alternative line for my true assessment of him. Stephen, the newest member of the team, can always be found wasting company time talking to colleagues. He never finishes assignments on time. Often, Stephen takes extended lunch breaks. He is an unusual individual, individual who has absolutely no knowledge in his field. I firmly believe that Stephen can be dispensed with. Consequently, I duly recommend that Stephen be sent away as soon as possible can so easily misread, misunderstand, or intentionally we can read something that's not there or should be there. Now, whatever the assessment is, Jesus spoke in parables to reveal some truth, but also to hide some truth from us. That actually we need to dig a little deeper. That actually those hearts that are receptive, those hearts that open, can receive. Can we uh, put the... PowerPoint up, is that okay? So we're going to look at the parable of the sower. So if you want to turn to Matthew, chapter 13. If you want to just click on to the next. uh. This is a parable about sowing a good seed. 
Jesus tells this story of one man who goes out and he tells the story of a man with seed and he goes out to sow seed to what? The purpose of sowing seed is to reap a harvest. It's to have a return. You don't sow to reap nothing. The idea intention is to sow to reap. So if you could click on to the next slide, if you would. And here's the passage we're going to read. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And the great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And he sowed some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, and some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Secrets of the kingdom are the very nature and rule of God himself over individuals and over the community of God's people. He reveals things sometimes in a way or always in a way that he wants us to understand something and yet he wants to keep something just a little back that we might pursue him for something more. Now, many preachers, when they preach this passage, are concentrating and concerned with the type of soil, aren't they? Is that true? Anyone I've ever heard, they concentrate and they preach through every bit and the type of soil, and I'm going to be slightly different. Because while I think that's important, actually, other than myself, I have no control over it. Other than for me. I'm responsible for myself. I'm responsible for how I respond. I'm responsible for what um, kind of ground I have in my heart and my life. But I'm not responsible for anybody else. I can never be. So actually spending a lot of time studying the different types of ground for me at this point in time where I'm at doesn't really help me much because actually I feel like I've chucked a lot of seed out over the years and it's all fell on hard stony ground. And that very little return. So it kind of doesn't help me much. It probably just confirms what I already have learned through experience. Is that I haven't seen a lot of fruit. I haven't seen the 100 and the 60 and the 30. I don't know about you. But I know I haven't yet. But I believe there's a day coming. I believe there's a day coming when we're going to see it. Because actually what we have in our hand. And what God has given us. Is good seed. The problem's not with the seed. Is it? See, I'm rubbish at gardening. Sally is brilliant at it. I'm rubbish. I plant something, it dies. A couple of years ago, I said to Sally, I'm going to go out, I'm going to buy some trays, I'm going to buy some seeds, and I'm going to plant up loads of bedding plants for the summer, I'm going to plant them in the garden. Not one of them made it out of the little tray alive. Not one of them. I was rubbish. And I, I, I kind of thought I was caring for them really well, watching them daily, looking after them. Not one of them survived. I was really disappointed. I thought, well, isn't that just typical? Kind of, kind of does kind of a bit of a symbol of my Christian life, sharing the gospel around a bit, really. Kind of lots of seeds out into trays, but nothing really come of it. 
And yet, Sally's not so great with houseplants, but when it comes to the outside garden, she's kind of got the green-fingered touch. But I haven't got it at all, obviously. And I don't touch anything in the inside either, just in case. So, you know, I don't know about you, I haven't got that kind of touch, but I feel this, when we've got good seed, it's then, well, do we know how to handle good seed? Because it's one thing having good seed, because I'm sure the seeds I had were good. I don't think they were bad seeds, although I did try one packet that probably been in the cupboard that I found for about 10 years. <laughs> they might not have been so good. But that was only one out of probably half a dozen that I planted up. I'm assuming that the new seed I bought was good seed. I had a right to assume that. I paid good money. I assume it's good seed. What God's given us is good seed. And in this story, the sower represents primarily Jesus, but actually represents us. The ones that said, you'll be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Actually, we're sowers with Jesus. He's the sower. He was the original one who had the seed. He came and brought the seed to us. It's God's seed. It's good seed. Nothing wrong with the message we have that God's given us. Maybe how we tell it could be bettered. Maybe the ways we tell it we could improve on and we could practice But the seed of the gospel, the good news that Jesus loves somebody and died for them and paid the price of their sin remains the same. It's good news. It's in the telling that maybe we need to polish up a bit. And I know I could improve. I'm sure I could. I must be able to. Because if I haven't seen any fruit, there must be something wrong with how I'm doing it. I've concluded anyway. That there must be something in the way I deliver it that doesn't quite match up with the goodness of the seed. And I need to kind of work on that a bit. But the seed itself will do its work. When we throw out the seed, it'll do its work and it will produce a harvest. Because that's what Jesus is telling us here. Where it falls on good ground, and I have no control over that, but where it falls on good ground, it will produce a harvest. It's got to. Because there's a promise. There's a promise. That that falls on good ground will produce 160 and 30. And so, because of that, I guess you, like me sometimes, or me like you, whichever way around you want to look at it, maybe we're just not quite so upfront as we could be. We're not so quite easy to get our hand in the bag and get some more seed out and scatter it around a bit, because we kind of think, well, it's just going to fall on hard ground again, or I'm not very good at doing this, or what if I do do this? All kinds of things come up against us and kind of hinder us sowing good seed we've got. The good seed that God's given us. But the king, this is the kingdom seed. Now the kingdom, it says in Isaiah, will go on. The extent of his kingdom rule and reign will increase. Now, of course, when if my seed's going out and it's dying because it's going on stony ground, that's not increasing, is it? It doesn't seem like it is. But somewhere, somehow, it's got to increase. Because that's what the Word says. And I think it's the goodness of the Word. It's the truth of the Word. So we get to the point of, do we truly believe that Jesus said what he said? And do we truly believe he does what he says he does? That's kind of the challenge. 
Because actually, it has to be then, our faith has got to be in the seed, the word. That actually, this is good stuff that's going to do people good. Now, for all of you, or most of you sat in here, I'm sure the seed has done you good. It's meant something in your life. It's changed your life. It's done you good. It's brought you from death to life. It's given you hope and a future. It's freed you from your sin. It's set you free from addictions. It's set you free from the power of sin over your life. It's made you free to love God and know God's love. It's worked for you. That gives me hope. It means it's got to work for more people then. There's got to be more people out there that this seed is going to do good. Because it's the word. But somehow in the midst of that, I've got to get some fresh faith. In the midst of that, I've got to fight for that faith. I've got to fight to get hold of what God intended for this seed. And that's the challenge we face. Now, it's really encouraging when you're in a prayer meeting and God speaks, or you're even in a context like this morning and God speaks to us, you find it really encouraging. And then somehow you've got to re- live out the reality of the encouragement that God speaks. So Georgia, the other week, was at a prayer meeting and she sketched it. I don't know if we can put it up. I know you got it on the slide. If you could just put that slide up. Got it on a different PowerPoint, probably. But Georgia just drew out this picture Here it is. They are coming. Get your nets open. Now, and that's talking about fishing. Jesus uses different analogies for reaping a harvest. Whether it's fish, whether it's sowing seed out, whether it's fish uh, going for people, whatever it might be, whether it's a mustard seed about faith, get your nets open. So, do you find that encouraging? That's great, isn't it? In a moment, in a prayer meeting, God speaks. Georgia draws it out. It's fantastic, really helpful. Graphic picture. Get your nets open, they come in. So, how are we going to get them then? If they're coming, we've got a responsibility to go and get them. They're not just going to walk through that door on a Sunday morning and pour in in their hundreds. I promise you, it's not going to happen. Because it hasn't happened in 27 years of Church in the Peak. Unless there is mass revival suddenly, which could happen, I'm not saying that couldn't, couldn't happen ultimately, but we're not in that place at this point in time. But actually if we go and get them, they'll come. Because Jesus said, I'm making you witnesses. He's sending us, he's partnering, us partnering with him in the process. So it's not all up to God. You see, that's when revival, God does something sovereign over and above us. That's revival. God sovereignly chooses to pour out his spirit and gather hundreds in, maybe thousands in, all in one go. That's a sovereign move of God, his choice, and we have very little to do with it. But he actually prefers and chooses to include us. He chooses to have us partnering with him in sowing some seed. And when you do, if you've ever led anybody to Jesus, it's amazing. It's a brilliant. Actually, just even sharing with somebody about Jesus gives you a boost, doesn't it? Pamela's going to tell us a story of just sharing something fresh.
Okay, I hope this comes out clear because um, Phil just asked me this morning as I came in to church if I'd share this. But um, I did the um, fishing and following, um, I think, a few weeks ago. And um, after that, I was thinking, okay, where am I supposed to take this next? What's the next step for that? So I just um, I just prayed. I just said, God, I just want opportunities. I just want opportunities to speak to people about you. And um, so that was a few weeks ago, and you get on with life, and things happen, and you think, okay, right, so nothing's happened yet. And then this week, I've um, spent a lot of time um, with a couple of ladies um, doing a project at school. Um, I've known them for quite a, one of them quite a long time, um, but um, never really had any opportunity to speak to her about Jesus before. And uh, then this week, um, we were just um, at school, and they were just talking in general about what we do in the week. And they say, oh, Pamela, you're really busy. What do you do all week? So I said, do you really want to know? So I, this, I started off and uh, went through a typical week in, uh, in my life. And um, obviously, a lot of that is involved around uh, around the church and we talked about the um, the work we do with the youth. We talked about um, being involved in the church here and what, you know, the projects that the church do. And um, so, so what kind of church do you go to then? So um, I explained, and, and what, what do you believe? And um, it turns out one of these ladies had um, been sent to um, a Catholic school um, as, as a child. And um, she said, oh, so it's, so my, my belief in church and in God is that it's a list of do's and don'ts. Um, because at the school she went to, she was told, you have to do this, you have to do that. If you want to get to heaven, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And that completely turned her against um, anything to do with God um, at all. And um, her, um, her, her husband, um, he, um, he also was brought up in in Northern Ireland in a very kind of um, staunch community there and obviously where um, religion was used for a lot of things. And again, he was really turned really anti about church and about God. So I just, it was just amazing because I wouldn't call myself an evangelist. I'm a pastoral person. I love people. I wouldn't say I was an evangelist. I do love to talk. So hey ho. And um, just there for about half an hour, we just talked about what we, what I believed and um, about what, you know, church, what, you know, what about it. It wasn't just about doing things. It was about the real love of God and and um, all those kind of things. And no, they're not here this morning, but but actually I know now I've got a door in. So I'm going to meet up um, with this lady and I'm going to say, come around for coffee. And I'm going to have, the f- have them round, these two couples, round for, uh, round for a meal and um, just build relationship with them. And actually then be able to take that next stage and hopefully be able to share more about what it, what it is that God has done for us. And I came home and I was like, Peter, Peter, Peter. And uh, it was just so exciting because as Phil says, we have got this good seed. And I just, you know, for a long time, I got complacent. I got a bit like, yeah, yeah, okay, we're trudging along here kind of thing, and we're busy. And But actually, I just prayed for that opportunity, and God gave it to me, and, um, and I'm really excited now. So I want more opportunities. I want to talk to more people. And I just encourage you that whether you feel you're an evangelist or not, you've got people that you all know, and just pray for those opportunities and believe that God will give them to you. Brilliant. Great. So it can be done. You've got to be brave. You've got to step out. Get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Maybe have a go when you've had a go and you've failed before. There's a challenge of doing that. But actually our responsibility is that we sow the seed wherever we are. And Peter talked just a couple of weeks ago on being salt and light. That's one way you sow a seed. By how you live. You sow a seed by your lifestyle, the way you live, the way you talk. How you care, how you love how you deal with difficulties, how you deal with difficulties in your own life and how you deal with difficulties maybe in the workplace. People watch. 
people look on and see. And I kind of shared this before, but I've kind of gone around different offices and worked in different places, and my reputation precedes me, which is a little worrying. Um, but actually, very often, is what is usually said is, oh, you're not what I expected. I think, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Very often it's the good thing. Almost always I think it is the good thing. They're saying, actually, we got, got on. So actually, I had a, even this week, I had a call, which reminded me about it. I had a call from a guy who used to work for me when I worked down in Duffield. And I'm covering some work. I'm working in chapel one day a week at the moment. And uh, this guy was talking to the team that I'm managing up in chapel. And they were saying, well, what's he like and everything? So my reputation, thankfully, was a good one that went before me because he'd worked for me in Duffield, but the reputation he'd heard was not good. And he found out different. And so he told them. So I kind of got a bit better received up there now, so they're all eager to make me a cup of tea when I arrive on a Wednesday morning, which is very nice. They gave me a cup of tea straight away. I'm very thankful for that. At 7 o'clock in the morning when I'm still waking up and getting there. But you see, the thing is that we, however we do it, whether it's by the way we live... Well, it's by our conversation. And it's got to be both, actually, because there is times when it's right to speak out. And when people ask, like the lady asked Pamela, well, what is it you do in your week? Well, what do you do at a weekend? What, you know, that's the question, isn't it? What do you do at a weekend? Is, well, actually, you know, for me as well, actually, I'm part of leading the church, and I'm often involved on a Sunday morning, either leading a meeting or preaching or something. And, oh, tell me about that. I get, it opens something up. There's an opportunity. It may be just not an essay even about your life. Actually, it could just be that um, you just get to share your story. Tell them your story. And it's one of the things that they follow in and fishing encourage you to do is be able to tell your story in three minutes. And there's a challenge for you. Especially if you can talk a lot like Pamela. (laughs) Two and a half minutes. Wow, I'm impressed. That's the challenge. One minute on what your life was like before Jesus. One minute on how Jesus changed your life. One minute on what's changed since. Can you do it? There's a challenge for you this week. Can you go away and do it? I'm going to put it in for the notes for the groups to do. Have a go at it. See so you do it. Test it out with one another. Time one another. Get your stopwatches out. Time yourselves because it's a challenge. Because I can talk a lot, as you know. And it's a challenge to do it and to get it sharp. Because even in a minute, you can, say a, you can say a lot of stuff without saying anything. Can't you? Actually, it's been sharp because people can talk and waffle on a long time. I've just done some interviews this week and the amount of waffling that was going on in interviews, trying to make it up as they went along, it's quite interesting. But I encouraged it actually because I'm saying actually, very often is when they're waffling in that, they'll say the important bits you're wanting to hear in an interview, whereas if you're just trying to focus them direct onto it, they don't always get it out. So you allow them a bit of waffling, so eventually they kind of say it. And uh, you, they say what you're looking for. But it, it's interesting that you can do a lot, you can say a lot and say nothing. So that's why it's important to sharpen up on our story. What's God done for you? What's the difference in your life? Why is it you have this hope? Why is it you have that peace? Why is it in the midst of that difficulty, you're not tearing your hair out? Because I've got Jesus. That's why. There's an answer. You've got a hands, an answer of hope that others need to hear. It's a good seed. 
me just read a bit more from this book. I've really enjoyed reading this. I was bought it as a gift for a birthday a couple of years ago, and I've read it through it a couple of times now. It's very good. It says this, Jesus warns his disciples to guard at all costs the gospel message which they proclaim. His kingdom could only thrive in the hands of this motley bunch of followers because its power was in the message, not the messengers. It is the seed which grows, the yeast which spreads, the mustard seed which skyrockets, and the net which draws in the fish. All the workers need to do is sow, throw, mix, and wait. It's both easy and terribly difficult. Everything within us wants to tweak, change, adapt, and reconstitute the gospel message in the hope of winning more converts to Christ. But we mustn't. However unimpressive the message about the kingdom may appear to our eyes, unless we sow what God gives us, we will never reap what God promises us. Say that again. Unless we sow what God gives us, we will never reap what God promises us. It's a challenge. Huge challenge, particularly in our day, particularly in our world. And when preachers are preaching against things, I find that hard because actually my responsibility is to preach the truth. And not preach against anything, but preach the truth. Preach the truth of the word. Share the gospel. Share about Jesus. That's my responsibility, is to share Jesus. That's what God's called us to. That's why he saved us. And if the gospel can get you, it can get anybody. Because if, if, you, if you were difficult to get and you were stubborn to get and God still got you, don't you think he can get anybody? He can get the most vilest of sinners. He can get the worst of the worst. And Paul said, I'm the worst of the worst. I'm worst of all sinners. Because he killed Christians. And then God saved him. And if he could get Paul, there's not any one of your friends, your contacts, your associates that God can't reach with the gospel. Unless you don't tell them. Because actually we have responsibility in this. And our responsibility is to share. We can tell Jesus' story. It's a great story. It's not just a story, because it's a true story. It has more power in it than you know. More power than we realize, but it's God's story. It's his story of how he came to save men and women from their sin. We can tell other stories from the Bible, stories of hope, stories of peace, stories of freedom, stories of joy. Share other stories, and that's what part of the following and fishing helps you to do, is pick stories out of the Bible and use them to actually give somebody some hope. So if you meet somebody who's in a hopeless situation, then give them a story of hope. It's the best story they could hear. Give them a story of hope. Share something. It may be, it may be that your story is a story of hope, so share your story. And if not, use one of the Bible stories of hope. It's all good stuff. So if we preach what is superficial, though, if we kind of water it all down to try and make it acceptable, it loses something. We don't do ourselves any favors. We don't do them any favors. If we come selective with the gospel... And we, we like bits about it. We preach certain bits, but we don't like the whole gospel. It's a difficult one. It's challenging in our day to preach the whole gospel. 
because people don't want to hear the truth. Because actually, what's true for them is true for them. And what you, what's true for you is true for you, and I don't need to hear what you've got to say. It's a challenge. And I get that all the time. Well, that, maybe that's true for you. That's fine. If it's true for you, that's okay. But they don't, want it, they don't want it to invade their truth, their own personal truth. And we mustn't bring it down to their level to make it palatable for them so they can hear it. So, I've talked quite a lot, and I intended to, about the seed, because it's really important. But actually, the ground is important as well. Because the Bible does encourage us not to throw pills before swine. Encourages us to be wise with the word. And we have to have some level of discernment, perhaps. But it doesn't mean to say that when we throw seed out on hard ground, that hard ground may not be, can be softened by that word by that seed, even though it's hard and it could get pecked away the chance, there's another chance that it could actually penetrate a bit, it could begin to soften and over years over a number of people sharing the gospel, different people because some reap, uh, some sow and some reap, and it's not all done by the same person so what you sown even years ago someone else might reap years down the line and you may never know about it because that's how it is in the, go- in the kingdom, with the gospel. Because sometimes it might, a seed might have just got stuck in a little bit of a crack in the stone and it begins to soften it. And it doesn't get pecked away. But if you could just put the PowerPoint back up, Paul, and just on to the next bit. Of just, I just quickly want to look at these four areas. Because it mentions hard hearts. Where seed cannot germinate where it gets eaten away and taken away by, by, Jesus used the term birds of the air, but actually the evil one. If you look in Mark 4, he gives the, um, I love this passage actually of Mark 4, uh, 14 to 20. He gives an, a great explanation of the gospel, of this uh, parable. If I can just get it up on my phone. <clears throat> iPads are great, but you can't have two things on the screen at the same time. And he says this, The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes, takes away the word that is sown to them. There's a hardness there that it just sits and waits to be stole away. So hard. And even as Christians, we need to be careful that even our own hearts don't become hard. That the Word of God, even now, even though we've accepted the truth, even now we've heard the Gospel, what about us? Because it's one thing, look at them saying, well, they've got hard hearts, but Jesus said, he has ears to hear, let him hear. He's talking to us. He's addressing us with that. Is, have you got a hard heart? Is the word of God falling on a hard heart even today? That God would speak to you. Not necessarily what I'm speaking. What's God saying? We have to be careful. We don't harden the hard hearts. Because now we think we know it. Now we think we've got it. Now we think we've arrived somehow. We're there. And we've got it. We can harden our own hearts. And not receive what God has for us. And he goes on. 
And these are those are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And that's quite common. I've seen that a lot. I'm you where lots of people they respond to the gospel and it's all fury and yeah, wonderful, great thing, best thing that ever happened in my life. Wonderful. And then somewhere down the line, maybe months, years, few years, where have they gone? Where are they anymore? And something's happened. And it had no root. And it didn't grow. There was no growth. There was no change really. There was it was kind of just a superficial acceptance of Jesus, a superficial giving their lives to Jesus, but no real change. And again, we need to be careful we don't become like that. Where we too can actually have a moment of, yeah, 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 great, wonderful, but then it's lost. And I think Lily's encouragement post-stone, uh, catalyst, sorry, post-catalyst is really helpful, isn't it, that Actually, don't look for the next thing till you've done something what God's already said. So what's the last thing God said to you and have you done something about it and have you done something with it? And is it bearing fruit in your life? Is it changing you? Is it making you more like Jesus? Is it challenging some things that you don't really want God to challenge? And are you dealing with them? Because I find God does that. He tends to challenge the things in me I don't want him to touch. The things I think, okay, God, you can speak to me about that. I really want to hear about that one. Kind of, heavens feel like brass. But then these things he speaks are challenging. He says, well, what about this? What about that? And we've got to be careful. We let that take root. We let that germinate. And we let that work out in us. What have you done with the last thing God said to you? What have you done with it? How's it bearing fruit in your life? And it usually, as it says in the passage, it's when, it's when the difficulties come. So when God's done something and spoken something into your life, and there's something for you to work on, something for you to change, something for you to work through, and then you think you've kind of sorted it, and I've been here, I think I've sorted something, and then a challenge has come along, a difficulty, a tribulation, a trial, a difficulty's come, and I found out, oh, I didn't do as well as I thought I was doing on that. I'm not quite where I should be on that one. It finds me out. And that's what happens is it finds us out. It finds out whether we've really done it. Whether we acted on what God said, we'll be found out if we haven't done it. We'll be found wanting. So my encouragement to you is whatever God said to you last, do something with it. Let it germinate. Let it grow up and work its full work in your life. And then... Thirdly, there are those who hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And again, it's just one of those simple things. Before you know it, other things are crowding in on time you used to spend with God, time you used to spend in the word of God, time you used to spend praying and worshipping, things you used to once do, suddenly other things crowd in and you haven't adjusted and you haven't found time to make room for God. When I was, it was great when I was at school, 
It's great. I was the first in the house. Got home from school. I was first in. Quarter past four, I was home, and I used to put worship on. I just used to worship God. I used to have about 45 minutes with nobody in the house. And I just used to worship God. I didn't do my homework, and I perhaps should have done. Perhaps done a lot better. School, if I'd have done my homework, but I worshiped God instead. And I just gave myself to that, and I loved it. And I so enjoyed it, and I spent loads of time doing that. But then, of course, when I did leave school and I started work, it wasn't quite the same. And things changed, and, I, and for a while, I didn't readjust myself. And I didn't readjust time. And I made no time for God. In fact, I found it really hard because the context in which I went to work in was really difficult. And actually, I was struggling even to hang on to God in any way, shape, or form. I really struggled. Um, but actually, to my detriment, I made no time for God then. <laughs> so actually, I was even worse off than I could have been because I didn't make the time. I didn't spend time worshipping. I didn't spend time with God. I didn't spend time in the Word of God. I need to get back to it. Things of life came in. And then, of course, suddenly you're earning money. And there's things you can then buy, things you can have that you couldn't have before. So you kind of get caught up with, well, what about this? I desire that next and I want that. And for me, it was all, I started off with a car that cost me £40. You can imagine how great that was. Six months later, it went up in flames. Did a bit of a runner out of the car. Hit the brakes one day and flames shot out the bonnet. I thought, I better get out. Sat at the side of the road. It was a very cold day. Sat at the side of the road, just warming my hands, waiting for the fire brigade to arrive. My car went up in flames. And that was it. But 40 quid, what do you expect, you know? Wasn't a lot of money. But I wanted a better car. I wanted the next thing. Uh, you know, you want to aspire for things. And suddenly things crowd in. That just take the place of Jesus. Take the place of the Word. Take the place of worship. Take the place of Him in my life and our lives. And we just have to be careful. We have to be aware. And actually, the only way we are is to keep ourselves close to Jesus. It's the best way to keep your alert up is to stay close. The best way to keep your radar fixed is to, and working right, right frequency, tuned in, is to keep close to Jesus. That way, it'll help you not get distracted by the other things. By the cares of life, desires and lusts of the flesh. All these things come and rob us. And we can begin to be unfruitful. 